Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And this week, I have a rather different show for you. I've been inspired by our guest, and I trust you will be too. So today, I invite us to deeply connect with our sense of humanity, our compassion, and our deepest love. In in the mid-1980s, Emmanuel Jal was a seven-year-old Sudanese boy living in a small village with his family. But as Sudan's civil war moved closer, Jal's family moved again and again seeking peace. Then one day, he was separated from his mother and later learned she had been killed. His father eventually became a powerful commander fighting for the freedom of Sudan. Soon, Emmanuel Jal was one of the 10,000 child soldiers and fought through two separate civil wars over nearly a decade. Remarkably, Emmanuel Jal survived, determined to tell his story, and in doing so, bring peace to his homeland. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest a little bit more. Emmanuel Jal was born into the life of a child soldier on an unknown date in the early 1980s in the war-torn region of southern Sudan. As I mentioned, through unbelievable struggles, Emmanuel managed to survive and go on to emerge as an internationally acclaimed recording artist. His unique style of hip-hop with this message of peace and reconciliation was born out of his personal experiences. Jal's Juno-nominated fifth studio album, The Key, was released in 2014 and includes collaborations with Grammy award-winning artists Nile Rodgers and Nelly Furtado. His live appearances have included Live 8, Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday concert, and the one concert for His Holiness the Dalai Lama. He has collaborated and performed alongside other artists such as Peter Gabriel, DMC, Joss Stones, and Alicia Keys. Emmanuel was recently appeared with Reese Witherspoon as one of the lead roles in the Warner Brothers film The Good Lie. Despite his accomplishments in music and film, one of Emmanuel Jal's biggest passions is Gua Africa, the charity he founded to work with individuals, families, and communities to help them overcome the effects of war and poverty. In December 2010, Emmanuel released We Want Peace as part of the wider campaign of the same name calling for peace, protection, and justice for all in Sudan and calling for an end to all conflicts affecting innocent people around the world. The campaign was supported by A-list artists and leading figures from diverse fields, including Peter Gabriel, Alicia Keys, George Clooney, Richard Branson, President Jimmy Carter, Kofi Annan, and many more. 
Manuel Jal has been awarded the Calgary Peace Prize, the Humanitarian Award from the Hunt Institute, the Dresden Peace Prize, the Maddie Stepanek Peacemaker Prize, and has been honored by Ban Ki-moon at the UN for his peace efforts in South Sudan. What a list of accomplishments, and there's so much more. I am honored to invite you on the show, Emmanuel. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for welcoming into this show. Oh, you're welcome. I know you're used to doing interviews for your music, and they're usually short, but I think that your life is so meaningful. And a couple of the things that aren't even in this introduction is you have a book out, and you've also been, your life has been featured in a documentary film. There's so much that we can talk about. But first, Emmanuel Jaw, I have a traditional question on the show that I like to start off with to kind of, kind of, deepen our conversation into an important theme for me. And so I want to ask you, what does all things connected mean to you? Well, all things connected, to, we're all connected. You know, we're connected with the planet. We're connected with the stars. We're connected with animals. We're connected with everything. So everything that is around us, is what is making us alive. We are connected to the bacteria. So everything connects. We're living things. We depend on each other. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I have to tell you, I, I have no idea how I saw your video, um, We Want Peace. I don't remember how it came across my screen. I don't remember where I was, but I was just so deeply moved by the video. It was beautiful. And then I began reading about your story. And um, when I think of all things connected to, it's as if your life, you've, you've taken this incredible hardships and unbelievable struggle, and you've woven such a beautiful message of hope and peace and healing and forgiveness. And, and you're doing amazing work out in the world. And, and the list is long. Our listeners are going to be <laughs> surprised at all the things you're doing. But let's, let's start at the beginning, Emmanuel, and tell us a little bit about the early years. At, at the age of seven, so much was going on in your life, and and here you are today. And I, I remember one quote from, I don't remember if it was the documentary or someplace in the book, and it said, left home at age of seven. One, oh, this is lyrics from one of your songs, I think. Left home at the age of seven. One year later, I'm carrying an AK, AK-47. Well, you know, my childhood experience is, been stolen away from me. You know, my village, the peace from my village has been robbed. Everything that we had was gone. So my family members, my mom went to a place of no return. So I was born in, in a difficult environment where I happened to witness heavy sounds that shook the ground and lighting the sky. The first time I witnessed war, I thought the world was ending. 
because I used to hear my mother telling me the world is going to end. And I thought this is it. So many people dying, people running different direction. Witness my ma, my uh, my aunt wrapped in front of me, you know. And at the age of five, the first person I've ever saw shot close to me was my mother's bodyguard. And his intestine came out. And as her hand was full of blood, she was struggling to put the intestine back and try to save the life of that man. It was too late. Out there, my sister was there. And she couldn't do anything. Tears overwhelmed her. We keep running from one place to another until my mom was claimed by the war where I wasn't there. And by the age of seven, my father gave me out and told me I'm going to go to school in Ethiopia where we had to walk hundreds and hundreds of miles. Some children died of starvation. Some were eaten by wild animals. Some drowned as we crossed the rivers. You know, Hippopotamus was smashing them. And when we arrived in this promised land that we were promised that we were going to go to a better place, into a school, it turned out to be a, a breeding camp for young people to, re, to grow to a certain age where they could be trained and go to war. Arriving there, it was disappointing and frustrating. Nobody taught you, teach children to commit suicide. But I saw young people climbing on top of a tree and they would jump down. Or they'd climb on the top of a tree and tie it with a rope then put their neck on it then jump down. Who can teach a six, seven-year-old how to die, kill themselves because they've been overwhelmed by the situation? And then you see six, seven-year-old burying their own dead. After that, we got trained when I became a child soldier. You know, and in this training camp, it's what I want to be honest. The training camp, what motivated me to actually finish it, was I want to kill as many Muslim and Arabs as possible that time. And the second person I wanted to kill was my trainer. Because he was merciless. He cannot laugh. He can smile. He beat me out for no reason. Punished me sometimes. And so when the training finished, they give you a gun without bullets. Because all these trainers know <laughs> when you train these young people, <laughs> they hold grudge. And they want to kill their trainers. You know. So I finished the training. And uh, that's how I became a child soldier. But uh, I was lucky. Now, to be where I am today, because we plan an escape at one time. We were a group of young people. We wanted to go to our homeland to protect my... We wanted to find out where our family members were, because there was uh, the movement at that time, uh, something went along ethnic lines. So sometimes it wasn't safe to be there. And so this plan was done where we escaped, and... That journey became the most difficult journey in my life, became the lowest point 
I've ever been. Because here I was tempted to eat my comrade when we ran out of food. Somebody die. You know, vultures come try to eat the dead bodies. We shoot them. And we're eating snails. Anything we could find, we're eating. But then my friend of mine was dying, so I look at him and I told him, I am going to eat you tomorrow. And he had no words. So this became the lowest point. I was lucky because my mom was religious. So I prayed to my mother's God and said, Mom, God, if you are there, give me something to eat. And if I survive, wherever I go, I will always give you the credit. And so I stayed, luckily, in the morning when I was about to lose hope to eat my comrade. A crow came. And that crow, one of the child soldiers shot that crow. I ended up being the only person that ate that, that bird from the clothes to the intestine to the feathers. The person who shot it couldn't even leave to eat it. And to cut the story shorter, I end up in a place called Ward, where I met a British aid worker called Emma McCune, who rescued 150 child soldiers. And one of them happened to be me. And the gift that she gave me, she put me in school. And this is where I was able to be transformed, to be who I am. She later died, so I never had a chance to say thank you to her. But now with the work that I do, I've kind of like taken her legacy. And her name is uh, Emma McCune. So that's the brief genesis of where I am to that point now. So, Emmanuel, this is... I think it's a really important story for us as we're looking at so much pain and suffering and chaos in our world. And you lived it. You were inside of it. And yet, here you are, um, really transformed by Emma and and your mom's God, you know. And you're saying thanks and gratitude every day. What was... What what was it that gave you hope? What was it that that made you go through this metamorphosis, this transformation, and not be angry and violent and depressed? And what what inspired you to pick up the pieces and make something great with your life? I think I'll say that two things that happened. Uh, as a little kid, I had one formula that I used, never to allow my head to worry about tomorrow, but just to believe tomorrow is going to be better. And so, and I call that faith, you know, because faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the unseen. But inside that, I also wanted to be part of the solution. I saw so much suffering, 
And as a kid, I say, I want to stay alive so I can make a difference. And also sometimes I refuse to die. You know? And I used to say, okay, when bullets come, you either take me completely, don't take my leg or my eyes. I don't want to be shot. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Imagine, like, that's a kid. You see, go battlefield, you choose where to be shot. Okay, in case you shoot me, not to my bone, just through the meat only. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, so, because I don't want to, because I've seen many people injured and I've seen the suffering. So I like choose, okay, you either take me all or leave me fully, you know. So I used to have uh, that kind of thought in my mind. But the thing I have is at that time I was still bitter too. So I was a little angry young kid. I wanted to revenge for my family, but I don't feel like this now. And so in terms of depression, I can't understand what depression does. It's a heavy force that squeezes your lung and makes your mind uncomfortable. And I never like it, so I push it away, and I focus on the beautiful tomorrow that is going to come. But when I came to Kenya, things changed. You know, when I was educated, I was able to read and write, I was introduced to many people, and two gifts that changed my life, because I believe through giving, we're able to change the world. But two gifts changed my life. One of the greatest gifts I got was the gift from Emma McCune when she smuggled me to Kenya, put me in school and gave me an opportunity because I always wanted to school. Put me in school, made me to be able to read and write. That put me in a situation where I can be easily transformed. She removed me from an environment that would have continued to program me to fail and put me in an environment where I can be programmed for success. And so when I discovered the truth, I had a choice. Should I continue to hate? Or should I forgive? And the greatest gift I gave after that was to forgive. I was given opportunity and I forgave. When I forgave, my body became light. It was like there's a little poison inside that keep on swelling. And every time I think about my home, I'm angry. So now when I think about the terrible that hap- things that happen home, I transformed that energy easily into putting me into action to paint the beautiful future I want to see. But before, it was like something is pulling me back. So it was like serving two masters. Wow, good insights. And I really appreciate how you've defined those two gifts because they're both so important and that education piece um, obviously has wrapped your heart up and tugged on it so that you can provide education for other people. We're going to talk about that after the break. But also this this experience of forgiveness, that it really was this visceral thing for you to learn how to forgive and, and really watch that transform your mind and your body. 
um, very powerful gifts, Emmanuel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, great lessons for all of us. You know, I, um, I've been really thinking about the world and, and a lot of the events that have been unfolding um, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the, the phrase that love becomes the medicine for fear and love becomes this, the immunity for fear um, is an important thing. And it, and it feels like you were touched by a selfless, universal love of Emma McEwen as well. Where does love fit in all this in your story? I mean, if you look at it, every mama, woman in the world have that. Yeah. Every woman who has seen a child suffering would cry because they see their own. Even those who don't even have kids, this is something that touched their soul inside and they respond quickly because it's the motherly call to see that. It's like if you see a chicken and there's a little chick somewhere without a mom, someone beginning to make that call and that little chick is suffering, that chick will go and try to mother and take that kid to make it their own and give them protection or make them grow. So I was given something I could not buy. And, and what Emma gave me was an opportunity you know, to transform myself. Now, one of my greatest inspiring thing when I wake up every morning is when I go out, I want to leave any person I meet ten times happier than I found them. And that's it. Smile, drink a cup of tea with them, or whatever it is. Just leave them ten times happier because when you give, it come back. It never fails. You know, the universe will never lie. And what giving is, giving means it's what you sow. What are you giving? Are you giving hate? Are you giving love? Are you giving peace? Are you giving joy? What, what is it that you're giving? So in that process of the situation that I've come in, what I came to understand now is there's something called a purpose. When you find a purpose, it means you've surrendered yourself to a cause greater than you. And in return, you get what is called joy. So joy, you can't buy joy, but you can buy happiness. Joy, you can't buy it. Joy is earned by a human being who will stand up and live up to their purpose. Mm. And so in joy... Maybe someone would say, okay, you're living in a life of fullness. Somebody could do a meditation and all of that to try to ease their pain. It won't help. It won't work. What you have to find is you have to have a purpose. Serving without return. Even volunteering for a charity. You know, the universe gives you thanks. Oh, thank you. You're volunteering for cancer research? Great. Oh, are you helping now volunteering to help the wildlife? Great. We are giving species. And we are as happy, as joyful as we give. That's who we are. We don't live up to that. We get depressed. We get stressed up. You know, 
And define giving. You can actually give yourself good things, and good things could be mean feeding yourself health food. You know, that's, you know, giving is everything. It's who we are. When we give, we are free. When we forgive those who harm us, we elevate ourselves to a, a different form. You know, when I forgive, my life changes. Every day, the first thing is gratitude. In my process of meditation, gratitude is the first thing. Waking up, giving thanks. You know, even when there's a challenge, when I face a difficult challenge that comes that is tormenting and heartbreaking, I take a, a breath and release that breath. And I say, I'm alive. The next thing I say is, I thank you, Creator, for trusting me with this challenge now that I have the capacity and infinite intelligence that I can solve it. Because this challenge is my blessing. You know, and so that approaching, you know, when you come from a background that is torn by war, your mind functions in a different way. But now I'm in a concrete jungle. So I have to find a, a, a rhythm and tap into that. And when I tap into that, I end up attracting people who are in the same place. I'm now in Toronto. And in, in Toronto here, I wake up, I don't even remember what color I am. And sometimes the people I, make, I meet, they don't even know what color they are. These are human beings where you meet somebody, whether you like them or dislike them. You know, like color, that, it's not in the, you know, Toronto city is different. It's mm-hmm. like going to Vancouver where everybody has become a hippie. All the hippies are, tra- are, are traveling to the west, <laughs> the west of the continent. And like everybody's smiling and giving people a hug, you know. The way I look at it, even those who eat healthy, when you begin to eat healthy food and you're beginning to take care of your health, those vibrations of those foods you're having are going to force you to actually smile and be lovey-dovey and hug people and communicate, <laughs> you know. You know what? I I just am I'm smiling listening to you because there's so much more to you that people don't even understand, and I want to introduce those pieces. Um, you're an entrepreneur. You have a cafe. You have a product called Jaw Gua, and you have a foundation and an amazing nonprofit called Gua Africa. So we're going to talk about all the goodness that is flowing from Emmanuel Jal. We're talking to Emmanuel. He is a hip-hop star and former child soldier, and there's so much more that you're going to learn about his life and his mission and that purpose that he's talking about that's giving him this great um, new life. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, we're talking to Emmanuel Jal. We'll be right back. Have you ever dreamed of being a karate master? Well, stop dreaming and start chopping with the Karate Glove. Hi, my name's Molly, inventor of the Karate Glove, and I have just one and a half words for you. The Karate Glove chops through anything. Just put it on and instantly chop through wood, concrete, brick walls, trees, small cars. 
It can even jump through these eight guitars. It chops things. If I can invent a karate glove, just imagine what you can do. Visit inventnow.org to get started on your invention. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. It's Haya time! Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg! Ha-ha! I win! Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! What if it wasn't always about getting ahead? What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? What if your career goals were to change? Instead of flying off to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether? To embark on a different track, to volunteer in ways you never dreamed of, in places you never imagined yourself being. Like a tiny island in the Pacific, barely visible on a map, but where needs are easy to see. Or a village on the African continent, where just a little training in HIV awareness can change the fate of thousands. What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by this story, I invite you to share it with others and listen to it again and again and again. Please visit my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archives as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And we are talking with hip-hop artist Emmanuel Jahl today. And you can find so much more about Emmanuel's work, his music, his life, his passion at emmanueljahl.com. That's E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. J-A-L dot com. And there we're going to talk a little bit about Gua Africa. You'll find the links to that and so much more. And he began talking about food. And Emmanuel, you started talking about food before we even talked about music. So <laughs> I want to back up for just a second and ask you, because you're you're doing so many amazing things and I have some Jal Gua on the way to my house. It's it's in the mail. But look, first, the music. How did you discover music and your gift there? And how did you bring it to this 
incredible voice on the planet right now. Well, the music I do come out of pain. So what I do is I use my music for social emotional learning. Uh, my music is for storytelling. This is the place I get to see heaven. This is the place I get to become a child. And music is the only thing that can touch your soul, your mind, your cell system, and influence you without even you knowing. M- music is the language, that, the universal language that every person understands. And so when I first did it, I did it for fun. I never had an idea that it was something that was going to be paying me. I didn't know it was something that would also use, uh, help me spread the word around the world. I was just doing it for fun. And so now I have like five albums out and I'm working on my sixth album now. Beautiful. Well, you've used your music to tell the story. You've you've used it to raise awareness and that has propelled you into incredible things. So let's talk about Gua Africa. But first, I think you need to define what does Gua mean for us? And then what is Gua Africa? Gua means peace, it means Arabic, it means power. My mother tongue, it means good. So Gua Africa, which means good Africa, power Africa, you know, peace Africa. So it depends how you want to do it. And so Gua Africa is a charity I founded to carry on Emma McCune legacy. The idea was to actually build a school in honor of Emma McCune. And... Here, it works with families, individuals, and communities to help them overcome the effect of war and poverty. And here we connect people. If somebody wants to sponsor a child, help them through high school, primary school, or even go to university. So it depends on the sponsorship. For people join, and we connect them with somebody, and they work together with that person to educate that person all the way up, not just to a primary level but to a point at which the sponsor is able in their capacity to help them. So we have doctors and we have lawyers uh, that have graduated through the help in Gua Africa. And at the moment, the situation in South Sudan is crisis. So there are a lot of families that are stuck in Nairobi, young children who are not, who are not in school now, and they require sponsorship. And so we allow people to go on the website, hey, I want to sponsor a child, and we give them an opportunity. Nice. You you also work to educate those refugees, you, those child soldiers, and, and move them into um, that transformative place in their life. Is that right? Yes, definitely. It's, it's a process. First, giving them where they can actually engage their mind, and that's through education. And it, it's never done by one person. No person climb a mountain by themselves. So a lot of people are involved in this uh, process. What do you think, Emmanuel Jal, what do you think is our solution on the planet, what do we need to establish and sustain peace? 
what we have to understand exactly what is peace. First, we have to congratulate the world on how far they have come. Violence has reduced. But history can repeat itself if we close our eyes. So to me, what I'm saying, peace is justice, equality, and freedom for all. Peace is food on my table. Peace is conflict management. Peace is, is when conflict are managed in a mature manner that the violence is prevented. So if we look at the situation, what are the major forces, the major weapons that every government uses to destabilize a human being or a group of people? Fear, poverty, you know, worry, death. You know, so fear bring worry. People are afraid of death, fear of poverty. So no human being want to be poor. And no human being like to worry. But why do they have to worry about something that is not even close? So, and there are human beings who have discovered the importance of having a clear mind, those human beings who have learned how to control or own their mind, have understood the system and they can prosper. And what they do, they engage others by creating fear and poverty so they could not focus on their mind and compete with them. And that's what's happening in the world. So, if you want to distract any human being from progressing, just clog their mind, you know, so that they don't have energy to focus on their dream. Our mind or our brain uses 20% of the energy that we consume. So just imagine that. Now, but if you have a worry now in your head ringing, in your brain, then when are you going to have energy to actually use to focus on your dream. Because each and, en each and every this negative force does not travel by itself. It invites the others. Once you have fear, it will push away love from your heart. It will, in, will, will also bring in poverty, spiritual poverty. Once you have spiritual poverty, then you can be depressed, stressed, even though you have the skill to possess the physical wealth, but spiritually, you are lacking something. And then what happened? With time, it invites hate. It invites jealousy. It invites envy. And if those things dwell in you as a human being, you begin to be crippled. Oh, it invites unforgiving heart. People hurt you, you keep holding them inside. And so now you're not balanced. Maybe somebody else could be spiritually wealthy, you know, but they don't have the physical wealth. So because they don't have the physical wealth, their mind is also clogged with worry. So they don't focus and they can't make their dreams happen. And so, in short, the biggest fear that all human beings are afraid about is poverty. Fear of not having something to eat shelter, clothing, the basic human being needs 
are our biggest threat to our survival. Because in that, those who haven't owned their mind completely can be easily manipulated by those who have a certain interest. Most people have a motive. Somebody could come and say, I am going to get you the freedom all you want. But they have a motive inside, hidden agenda. And they can begin to manipulate the mind of many people. And then that's how we begin to kill each other. So now, I don't believe in racism. One thing I know is, racism is a sign of fear and worry. Somebody who walk in love like the way you are in your radio station, you have managed to clog that one away. So you look at every human being the same. But now if an incident happens that you are not guarded properly, then you could go in a defensive mode and somebody can manipulate you. So the way I look at it is, human beings are very smart. When a situation arises, they begin to create ideologies and they extend those ideologies to people of same color, same faith as them. Then they go out to fight or manipulate or rob those other people and call, give them a name so they could justify the things that they are doing. But what, do they, what are they actually after? Opportunities, wealth. They're after uh, their survival, to stay alive, to eat and stay alive. But to me, what is question of education? What does it mean for a human being to be educated? To be educated means you have been illuminated, you have found an enlightenment. And if a human being found an enlightenment, with the information you have, you don't use it to harm others, but to create a better way, a better world for everybody. That's what it means to be educated. Mm. It doesn't mean to go to school and learn how to read. It's to find an enlightenment inside you so you could carry your purpose to make us continue living because everything is connected. Mm. You arm somebody in Iraq, it will come and harm somebody here in the United States or Canada. You know. So energy is connected. You pollute water in Spain, the water travels from the earth. The Canada water here, somehow it's going to be polluted. Air travel. You pollute the air, it was going to travel. It will still come back. So we are all connected. So the only way to win is we work together. And love never lose. Beautiful. So I just want to pause and really thank Emma McEwen for, for what she started um, and, and then you for picking it up and continuing it. Your voice is so clear and there's so much wisdom that's flowing from you, Emmanuel, that it's evident that education and finding purpose is a beautiful prescription here on the earth. Beautiful. So thank you for that. I want to give you a moment to also talk about Jal Gua and the cafe that you're running. You were talking about um, this fear of poverty and our basic human needs, and, and you found yourself 
some ways to stay nourished and stay healthy and gift the world with another product. So let's let's talk about that. What is Jaw Gua? And tell me about this cafe you're running up in Canada. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, Jaw Gua means walk in peace. So it started with a product that I created that is now in Whole Food in Canada. But anybody who wants to find it, they could find the products also in in my website, jalgua.com. I, I had a high blood pressure on tour, so I used to collapse, and then the doctors come in my hotel and give me stuff to make my high blood pressure cool down. Then I asked myself a question, no, I'm young. I'm only 33. This disease was associated with people in the village, of people in the city. I mean, this was a city people disease. People in the village don't have high blood pressure. And then I decide, okay, I'm going to eat my traditional food. So I introduced a grain called sorghum that happened to have 240,000 antioxidants for every 100 grams you eat. And it managed cholesterol, it managed insulin levels, you know, and it managed the calcium levels. And then also I found out it has complex carbohydrates, uh, the glucose from it, the insulin don't convert it into fat, but use it as a fuel. So it's a grain that the carbs, if you don't use them, it's wasted. But when cows eat it, they grow fat. But when humans eat it, they do the opposite. Then I say, wow. So researching about and fermenting it and mixing it with different things, I started creating smoothies. And I ended up mixing it now with a tree called Moringa, which they call the tree of life, with 300 healing properties, 46 anti-inflammatories, and 92 essential nutrients. And that became my superfood. When I'm traveling, my breakfast, I put jalwa in water, drink it, or make a smoothie, or just put it on a yogurt, put it on anything. And so now it became part of my life until when I met a scientist and the scientist told me you have something here. Start a business and use this to support the causes you are. And then this is how I became an accidental entrepreneur where I ended up doing a Kickstarter campaign and then got the funding to start the company. And now here I am with a cafe in downtown Toronto that I set up and I said this most revolutions begin in cafe. Big ideas are born in cafes. So I'm going to go and have one and let's see what ideas will be born in this cafe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and what ideas can we support in this cafe? And so, and this is what I find really, 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 really exciting. So now, uh, we put people in a meal plan. So now people can have like we have people here at the cafe, some people want to lose weight. And so we feed them a poor person diet, and they're losing weight. So Some people say, I used to go to gym, it takes me one week to lose one pound. But now I, lose, I lost four pounds the first day I started, and I'm losing a pound every day. So now we're introducing these foods that make people lose weight. So we didn't even plan to make it a program. But now people say, look, I've been eating your stuff, and this is what happened to me. I ate your stuff, I have energy. And, oh, I lost 50 pounds. And that's okay. So there must be something in this so now, in the cafe. So now on the website, people in, in, in Mexico are on our meal plan. So they order 
and then we show them what to do on Skype, and then that's how it's happening. <laughs> mm. But I'm what using you... food, food as a medicine. So basically, eat simple. Eat like a poor person. You know, we just eat, eat, eat without thinking. You know, we need to stop. Ask yourself, why am I eating too much? You know, why am I having this and that and that and that? Is that normal? It's no. And so those are the questions. I used to be in road. I used to have fizzy drink, and sometimes I would drink two liters of that. And sometimes I used to test my body, and it would test like. I don't want to mention specific brands just to protect them, but I would test my body, and it tastes like sugar or smell, like that specific drink. Branch. And I think that one gave me the early symptoms of having diabetes. So I use food to, to help myself and together. But the main thing is with, with Jalgo, the cafes, I made it, it became a driver of change. So consumers are the drivers. But Jalgo itself is a vehicle which is consumer driven. And so when somebody eats Jalgo, they're feeding kids in East Africa, which means they're helping Goa Africa because 5% of the product goes to help Goa Africa do the work it does. When you're eating Jalgoa, you're helping yourself become healthy. You're supporting organic living. You're supporting the environment through the food so the farmers can continue to grow organic food, which is safe for environment. And fourth, you're creating jobs. Because peace is when food is on the table and somebody else. And so that's the, the way I look at it. So I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Didn't plan for this, but I'm excited. It's like making music. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I think it's really fascinating almost how full circle all of this is. You, you know, you were telling us the story uh, about the the child soldier that's there without food and hungry and his friend is dying and and you're thinking you're going to eat your friend and mm-hmm. here you are giving life and sustenance to so many people mm-hmm. by not only just feeding them and offering nourishment through the cafe and through Jalgua but also with your inspiration and your music, you really are feeding and nourishing so many souls on the planet. So, um, wow, thank you to you, Emmanuel. I think that that's an incredible gift that you're given humanity. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for the word of encouragement. Mm. Yeah, so we we have like five minutes left, Emmanuel. And... I could talk to you for for hours. I'm just so inspired by your story and your resilience. I remember as a young psychotherapist reading the research on resilience and and being trained in it and and hearing that young kids at risk are more resilient with connections, with relationships. And I just I look at your life and your story, and it's just so true that that there were people there that cared for you and cared about you, and 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 here you are. So with with like four minutes left now, because I'm being chatty here, what 
message would you like to leave our audience today? What one thing have you not said that you think is important that you really want to have our listeners hear today? Each and every person listening, just understand you're a giving species. It's in your DNA. You are as happy as you can give. And giving means surrendering yourself to a cause bigger than you. To say, like, you are not in this world alone, but coming out of the box that there are other people in this world. And when you get out of your house, it's that service that you give out. That's, that's your purpose. You know, we have, we're supposed to be there for one another. The way I look at it, for somebody who's struggling, you know, wherever you are, just focus on the dream. What is it in your mind that you see? What is it? Can you talk about it? Focus on that dream, you know, and change your environment. Look for people that can hack into your subconscious. People can speak into it, that can water that dream so you can bring it and manifest it into the reality. When somebody is trusted with an idea, it's no longer yours because every idea that a human being has, it's not theirs. It looks like, oh, this is my idea, but you look at it behind the idea, it's for a lot of people, and that is a purpose. Now, sometimes we ignore entrepreneurs. I mean, entrepreneurs have got big ideas. And when they begin to build it in their mind and manifest it, you find they're bringing peace. They're helping to sustain peace because you're providing jobs for a lot of people. And those people, if they don't have jobs, they'll go on the street. They'll, they'll make the government stressful. No government is successful without the people. The success of any institution depend on the quality, depend on the structure and the quality of the mind of the people in that area. So what I would leave with a person is feed your soul with positive words and renew your mind. Transform yourself by having a positive mind and having positive things in your mind. We are giving species, and through giving, we can change this world. Mm, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have been, you've been listening to Emmanuel Jaw, and we've been so inspired by all of your words, Emmanuel. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. If you have some of my music, you can always play it along here and there if you want to use that too. Mm, thank you. I love your music, and there's a couple different songs that um, have really touched me. So, listeners, we've been listening to Emmanuel Jahl. You can find more on his website, which is EmmanuelJahl.com. You'll find links there to Gua Africa and to Jahl Gua and to so much more. What an inspiration. I so appreciate you all tuning in to listen to this today. And remember, together... We are creating connections for the greater good of the whole. And until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.